Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. It is Time Change Sunday, so glad you guys are here. I want to say welcome to those tuning in the line who couldn't make it to church. Thanks for being with us this week, all right? Um, it is uh, week two of our series called It's Complicated, but it doesn't have to be. So when it comes to relationships, relationships can be complicated. Uh, but the good news is this series we're talking about, how, but it doesn't have to be. We can choose to have healthy relationships. And really, I think today we're going to talk about um, a foundational issue that we find in a lot of relationships, especially when it comes to marriage and when it comes to dating. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, but here's, here's why I think why so many people struggle in relationships is because depending on who we allow to define and direct our, our approach to relationships will really determine the outcomes that we have. And I think a lot of times the reason people struggle is because the, the, pe- the voices that they're listening to and the, and the influence they're allowing to uh, speak into their lives to, to direct them when it comes to relationships, it's either um, pop- popular culture, right? It could be the, the pressures of culture. It could be social media. It could be friends. And a lot of times the voices in our lives aren't always going to direct us to the best places. And so this series we're talking about, what would it look like if we can find some direction when it comes to relationships, when it comes to dating, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to life, these different aspects of life and the the elements that we have uh, when it comes to relationships. We don't have to make it complicated. I read a quote by C.S. Lewis that says it like this. He says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. As you look through history, I think it's a great summary of what we find in life is that many people are trying to find fulfillment and happiness in life apart from God, outside of God, and how he created it. And uh, when we see that, it doesn't work, right? And so Romans 1, we're going to read uh, a, kind of a scripture that we're using to hold this whole series together. And so if you're new to church, I'm going to say welcome. Thanks for being here. If you've never been to church, uh, we'll walk through some scriptures that we believe that the Bible is pointing to to help us to have healthy relationships. And so this, in this scripture, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's encouraging them how to stay faithful to God, how to not let the culture overtake what they believe and how they live, but there's a better way. And that's what he says in Romans 1. He says they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So they didn't, they didn't value God. They put other things above God is what he's saying. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. As a result, they did violent degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth for God, the truth about God, for a lie. So they, they traded the truth, he's saying, for a lie. And they started to believe a lie rather than the truth. And so relationships, we're saying, I think in culture, a lot of times we trade what God has for what we want. And in the, in the process of that, we miss out on what God has for us, and we believe a lie. And so week one, if you missed it, you can go catch up on that. That's what it's all about, believing lies or believing the truth. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to listen to? Um, and we said this last week, and it'll kind of be through the whole series, is in order for relationships to work, um, we need to let the one who designed them define them, right? If, if our relationship is going to work, we have to allow the one who designed them, God, to begin to define them and help us on this journey. And so today we're going to talk about, um, in fact, for the first time, um, not first time, today what I'm talking about, this topic, I'll be addressing the majority of the people most likely in this room uh, because we know that in society now, um, marriages are not the majority anymore. Uh, there are more single people ages 18 and over than there are married people. And so in our, in our culture, there are more single people than married people. So I'll be talking to the majority today and talking about the single life, all right? And so I'm not going to, like, you know, make you raise your hand if you're single or anything, look around. I'm not going to do that, right? We just know there's going to be a good amount of you in this room. So we want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. And today, hopefully, we'll encourage you to know that you're not alone and know that you're, uh, we believe in you and we want to encourage you and support you and help you on this journey. Um, and we're going to talk about that, all right? And so uh, let's talk about the single. There's, there's a lot of pressure in culture a lot of times. Uh, so we're going to talk about the single status, right? Um, it could be complicated, just, just the idea of single. And we get, 
We get people, even this room and culture, just being, when you attach that word single to anything, it can, some complications can arise with that. Uh, but there's also some strengths that we're going to talk about also, right? Uh, but when it comes to single, you know, there's people in this room that are single and not dating. Uh, some because they choose to be single, some because they haven't maybe found somebody, right, that they're, that they're ready to start that relationship with. In this room, there are singles who are looking for somebody to date, right? Um, maybe you're single and it's a senior year. That could bring some challenges, right, when, when it comes to pressure of culture. Maybe you're single and you already graduated college. Maybe you're single and you're in your 30s or 40s. Uh, those can be some, bring some challenges, right, when it comes to culture and the pressures that we have. Uh, maybe you're single again, right? So at some point you were either in a relationship or you were married or something. Now you're back out. You're single. Um, maybe you're single and you're separated. That could bring challenges in its own, right? Or you're single with kids. Um, when you attach single to that, we, we begin to feel and understand there's challenges that come with that. But there's also some great things. And I think in culture, a lot of times we feel pressure, right? For a long time, there was this pressure to marry. Um, and in our culture, there's two, I guess, two kind of ditches we fall into when it comes to mar- the married life and to when it comes to being single. There's two ditches. One is we over, um, we, we over, well, I guess, idolize marriage. We make this, um, this idea of what marriage should be really what it's not. It's not a true a picture of marriage. And so we, we, over, we, we think too highly of marriage in the sense uh, that we bring these expectations that nobody ever really finds in marriage. And so that becomes one of the issues is we're expecting everything to be perfect, right? We see uh, The Bachelor and we see these dates. We see all these things and we think that's how it's supposed to be. That's romance, right? And we create this unrealistic expectation of marriage. And that creates problems because then when you're in marriage and it's hard work and it's tough at times and you struggle through different moments, you're like, what happened to that ideal marriage that I was hoping for? It's not there because sometimes we, we over, I guess we kind of worship this idea of marriage. The other one, I think, which more, maybe even more so what culture struggles with, is this idea of marriage doesn't work, right? We think too little of marriage. It doesn't work, therefore I'm not going to even try it. I've seen it. I've experienced it, right? We're just not going to even go there. And so you get these, this, these, these two kind of extremes, and then you get pressured from maybe family members or people that care for you, and they, they assume that they know what you, was best for your life. And so if you're single, you get this pressure of are you going to – when are you going to get in a relationship? When are you going to get married, right? Um, I saw this meme. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, when someone asks you why you're still single, I don't know. I guess I'm overqualified, right? Um, so the single status. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. You said I appreciate that. Um, Single status is, it can be one of the tensions. The other one that becomes a, that creates a tension in, in this idea of being single is, is defining dating. We have this very blurred idea of what it means to what dating even means, right? So what I mean by that is we don't have a clear pathway towards marriage um, or, to rela- or towards healthy relationships. It's kind of all over the board, right? Uh, we call it we say dating, but what, really what does dating mean? Because dating to me might mean, mean something completely different to you. In fact, the word dating is, is relatively new, and even now in culture, there's, we'll talk about it in a second, it, it's even changed even more. So back in the day, a long time ago, like years historically, right, traditionally, there were different formats to get people in relationships and in marriage. Um, because, mainly because of social pressure, that's no different than ours, right, uh, because of um, trying, to, trying to get some stability, maybe some finances in order. So it was all about that, right? It was about status. It was about stability. It was about social st- um, status and, and trying to get the right person so that you looked good to the people. And so back in the day, there was arranged marriages, right? There was um, – and then, then it, what kind of turned into the, how the – it was really the, the woman's family would begin to choose a suitor, right? It was called – they called it a calling, right, uh, they, that, where the woman would call upon the guy to come and – be in the fa- with the family, hang out with the family, meet the family, and they can determine if that was a suitable uh, spouse for them, right? So another word was courting. 
And essentially, it was the woman's choice to bring the man that they thought possible, possibly would fit into the family to begin to, to assess his character. Well, in 1940, this kind of when automobiles began to get popular, uh, we, we shifted from this calling and courting idea, right, to this dating culture that we somewhat now still have. And what shifted was instead of bringing the man to see into the house, into the family, and to see the, how the family interacted, right, and to see him and ask questions and to evaluate his character, now the guy would come and take the girl out to dates, right, to dates, to go to places, entertainment, whatever, and during that time then try to assess if this person was com- compatible or not. And so from 1940, we first find the, the term dating, it starts really becomes popular until now. And now it's about taking somebody away from really their settings, away from even how they interact with their family. And, and you go into this environment that um, you, you're trying to assess, is this the right person for me? And there's already some challenges with that because you're not really seeing the true picture of somebody, right? When you're with somebody in the middle of what they're facing in life, when they're with their family, when, they're, when there's tension, when they're going through difficulties, you see the character of somebody. When you're having fun, you're like, you know, this is one of the things that bothers me about The Bachelor so much, Bachelorette, is they put them in these perfect environments, right, that they'll never, most likely never have again. And they're expected to build a relationship around this idea of what, what romance could be or should be, which is so false. And so when they get back home, you can imagine the helicopters are gone, all the fancy rides, all the fancy dates. like, man, this is really boring, right? Your relationship with you sucks, right? And they set themselves up for a really a big crash because they're, it's, it's an unhealthy expectation. And in dating, that can, that can take place. And then just recently, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, this new term has popped up and become more popular, and it's just hookup, the hookup culture. In fact, teenagers, there's a, uh, an article in New York Times that said teenagers said uh, it's really difficult to talk to the opposite sex. It's just easier to have sex, right? And that's kind of the, the hookup culture became, hey, we're just going to skip all of the, the work it takes to have a relationship, and we're just going to go to that aspect of of a relationship and we jump in and our cultures be, that's become part of the norm of what it means to have relationships with people as you bypass all the other stuff you just go straight to that um which can you know that that's sort of the one night stand culture the hooking up and it's really just taking somebody and filling a need right with no strings attached no there's no guarantee of what the future and we get in these in the relationships where that becomes what it is all about um in culture this is really what culture is struggling with at the moment as we we um we lower the value of who we are just so we can have have a um, something in our in our lives met right, and that's no different than what they were a long time ago with status right social status. They were doing things to show that they're important. Um, that's what it becomes. We we, we in fact uh, they say women tend to look for men who make a lot of money right. So it becomes about affluence and wealth, and women and men um, typically look for females who are beautiful. So it becomes about the external, and the problem with the external is you never get to gauge the internal. And then we get in relationships with people because of the external, but we didn't really know what was on the inside. And then when it gets difficult, we're thinking, who in the world is this person? And, and, and we, we reverse the process. And so today we're going to talk a little about that. What does that look like? So it can be complicated when we don't really have a clear definition of dating, right, or de- definition of relationships or courting, whatever you want to call it. That, that, uh, that causes. So the single status causes complication. Uh, defining dating in our culture can cause complications in relationships. The next one that, that really causes complications is a social space. When we have social space, that, that's social media, but it's also just everything in culture where we find um, people that have an opinion about things, right? And the thing with social media, and we're just starting to really find out what this is going to look like for the next generation. The next generation, don't just jump in with, you know, believe everybody ever says all the time, because they're studying now to figure out what, what are the re- repercussions going to be when it comes to social media and how it impacts relationships. 
um, because the challenge of social media is we tend to, um, all of us, we put the best out there, right? So we let everybody see the, the highlights of our life, but we don't ever see the negative or the struggles or the challenges. And so in a marriage or in a relationship, if all you ever saw was the best of the best, like watching The Bachelor, right, you see these amazing things, although we get a peek behind the scenes then, gives you some insight. But if you only saw the, the, the best of the best, you would think, like if you just looked at my Instagram, I don't think you'd ever see like there was a moment where you had a hint that I had a bad day ever, right? Because we typically we don't. That's not necessarily – I'm not saying we should put our bad days out all the time. We should just learn to be a little more honest and understand that what we see in people's Instagram and social media is not the whole story. It's a really small segment sliver. Like if you see a picture I put on, you know, like that's one moment in the, in the whole day or the whole week in some cases. I don't post every, every day. And if you only looked at that, you would think, man, this guy has, you know, whatever. You'd make an, a, an, an assumption of, of my life. And we do that about other people's lives. We see the fame. We see the fortune. We see all the, the celebrity. And a lot of people follow them. They're called influencers, right? And they begin to follow and think, I want that. But we don't see the reality of really what their life is all about, what they produce. We don't see the character. We don't see the internals. All we typically see is the externals. And we get caught up in that. And so that brings this, this, um, this pressure in our lives. And then we see not just the, the highlights of people's relationships, but we also see in some cases people glorifying and like making um, – Really being, being single in the sense that they can just do whatever they want anytime and gratify themselves, and uh, they make that a big deal. And then people tend to think, man, they have the best life. You know, that looks like an awesome. Just do, do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And that brings an element that also can be unhealthy, right? So these are the tensions. And then the, the fourth, I would say, tension that, that brings complication is past hurt and hesitation, right? So people have been in relationships. They've been hurt, or in some cases, people have seen really unhealthy relationships in their, in their families, maybe in their parents or in people they love. And because of those hurts, there's a hesitation. And because of those hurts and what they went through, they become like they're, they're, they're stuck, right? Almost like a relationship, it's like, it's like quicksand. It's just it's really difficult to move forward. Um, and so it becomes, it becomes complicated. You know, we don't sometimes have the right goal or even know what the goal should be. And we have these ideas and what we experience just brings a lot of pain. In fact, they, I saw an interview of some, some people. And they asked them like about single life and what they feel. And there's a 35-year-old lady. She said, I feel this pressure to get – I've always had this pressure to get married young. Now that I'm 35, right, um, I feel even more so that I have to do something quickly. And she said, this is why I've dated so many idiots, right? Uh, I kept lowering my standards because of the pressure to get married. So she's finding herself in some of this hurt and hesitation uh, because of the pressure she faced. 28-year-old guy, he said loneliness is the biggest complication in singleness. Um, he said, I, I, being alone, I have people, so I'm, I'm searching, looking. 55-year-old lady single again. She said, difficult to be single again. Dating in today's culture is crazy. It's bananas, right? Uh, 21-year-old lady said, wondering, I wonder why, why I'm still single. Am I praying the wrong prayers, right? It's so, it seems like it's so easy for everybody else, and, and people tell her, hey, just, just wait. God will bring the right one, right, in his timing. And she says, God, can your timing be faster because it's getting hard and I'm really lonely. Uh, 30-year-old guy um, he says, I've been worked hard, you know, may have a good job, making a lot of money. I just don't have relationships, have unhealthy relationships, and I don't have that person. Maybe it's punishment for how I treated women when I was in college and in the past. And in him, he's thinking, you know, which I think a lot of people sometimes deal with is, I'm just, am I just damaged good? Is my best over? Is it gone? And there's a tension a lot of times when it comes to relationships that we find ourselves of um, the pressure, uh, what, what culture is saying. And in the middle of it all, we're, I think the question is, how are we supposed to move forward? And so today I want to talk about, for, for singles especially, but if you're here and you're married, um, this would be good for you to learn too because I think it's the issue that a lot of people have in marriage also. 
um, and, and singles, if you could figure this out, you'll have really your, your relationships will change dramatically for the for the better. And um, married couples, if you're struggling with this, your your relationships will change also. And then if you're married or in our in our church, you know, part of our culture is we want to mentor and train the next generation. So some of you in this room, you should pay attention, and lean in because I think you might find some some tools and some some maybe some better ways to encourage people. Because um, they're well, we'll talk about that. So this is what Dr. Les Parrott says. He's a, a, a counselor. He says if you try to build intimacy with another person before you've gotten whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. If you try to build build intimacy with somebody else before you yourself are healthy, right? Then all the relationships that you'll ever have will only be an attempt to complete yourself. So single people. If you don't become healthy and whole yourself, every relationship you get into is going to be an attempt to look better to others. It's going to be an attempt to make your self-esteem, boost your self-esteem. It's going to be an attempt to try to complete something that's missing inside your life. And here's the problem. There is no human being on this earth that complete you. There's nobody. My wife can't complete me. I can't complete her. I compliment her. She compliments me. And when we use the word complete, it's, it's, it's this sense that there's things inside of us that nobody else can fill. And only a relationship with God really can ultimately fill that, those desires that we really have because we're made for something larger than just life, larger than just pleasure, larger than just the status and just the self-esteem. Right? There's something more to life. And God put that in us so that we desire eternity and we desire heaven, that we desire something greater that earth cannot satisfy and relationships can't satisfy. And so Dr. Les Parrott says, if you don't get healthy, your whole, all your relationships will always struggle because you're hoping that somebody, something in them is going to finally make you feel whole and complete. And then as you, that's why a lot of people go from relationship to relationship to relationship because they can never find that person that fully completes them. And the truth is that they never will. They'll compliment, they'll, they'll add value to your life, but there'll be some parts where they'll never bring true happiness to your life because they can't. They weren't designed for that. It, it's kind of like, um, like one guy said, we're like a, a, a vacuum, right? Like this human vacuum is just sucking, like I need more, me, feed, feed me, help me, help me, help me. Well, if you put two vacuums together, you don't get a perfect relationship. You just get a louder sucking noise, right? And that's what happens in a lot of relationships. You get two vacuums sucking like feed me, feed me, fill me, satisfy me. And the other person is saying, satisfy me. And then because nobody's satisfying each other, they get into this really ugly relationship. That makes sense? So we have to understand that we are like a vacuum. We're, we're trying to find something to fill our needs. And God's saying there's only one thing that will truly, truly satisfy everything in your life. And it's not another person. And it's not pleasure. And it's not money. And so a lot of people spend their whole life chasing all these things, trying to get fulfillment in their life. And they don't really just understand there's something else in them. So in our relationships, married couples, if you're struggling – this is probably one of those indicators that you're trying to expect something from your spouse or from the other person that they can never give to you. And until you get healthy in your own, you will not have the kind of relationship that you, that, um, that you really desire, really hope for. So it's about getting healthy in ourselves. Single people, if you want to have great relationships, right? If you want to – some of you that are single by choice and that's something you want to do, um, that's fine. We're going to talk about Paul encourages that in many cases. Um, if you get healthy as an individual, you'll be able to, to – um, walk with confidence through that choice that you make. So it's important that we become whole before we begin to help, help other people try to fill that be, um, void in our life. First uh, Corinthians, let's read this. It's a, if you want to read about marriage and singleness, this is probably the best chapter to read. Uh, Paul was single, and he encourages it, and he talks about this. Well, uh, if you read through this chapter, you'll see his encouragement to it. Uh, Jesus, he was single. He understands. He talks a lot about relationships, about marriage. Um, and so these two, we're going to look through Paul and what he says. He says this in 1 Corinthians 7. 
But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God, the one of one kind or another. Uh, so gift, a grace from God, right? The ability, and when, whenever God, Paul uses the word gift or grace, it's always the intention that, that he's, God's giving you something so you can make other people's lives better, right? That's even the gospel. It's, we're not just vacuums. We're actually supposed to be serving and helping others. And so Paul's saying, I wish everyone was single just as I am. He's saying there's some strength to being single, right? I know in our culture, a lot of times, because the pressure to marry, a lot of, maybe if you're single, you might not hear that. Paul, Paul, in his case, would be talking to you saying, hey, in some cases, being single is better. And you should enjoy that. You should, you should see it as a gift and a strength, um, not, not as a negative. Um, there's not this comparison of like married is better than single or single is better than married. There, there's a, each of them is unique, which we'll talk about. So he's saying God will give you the gift, right? And he goes on later on in the, in the chapter. He says this, and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Don't think I'm being hard on you than, than on the others. I give this same counsel to all the churches. They're saying, so he's saying, where you're at, like be content where you're at. Realize where, if you're married or single, wherever you're at, learn to be content in that. And, and, and Paul, the reason he's, I love his writing so much is because wherever he found himself, he was always encouraging, be content where you find yourself. Whatever it is at work, whatever you're going through in school and relationships, learn to be content in the middle of where you're at. Like, don't be always looking for something else, something better, right? We call it destination disease. Like, when I get there, life's going to be better. When I have that relationship, life's going to get better. When people that live with destination disease, they miss the journey, and they miss the opportunities that are in front of them because they're always hoping for something else, and they don't realize what's in front of them. Paul's saying, don't miss where you're at. Believe right there. Be right there where you're at. Be present. And he goes on and says, I don't want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There's no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, in grief, in joy, whatever, right? Keep it simple. Uh, even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things of the world that the world thrusts on you. This world as you see it is on its way out. I want you to live as free, as, as free from complications as possible. To live free of complications as much as you can. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. So Paul's pointing out some things, the difference between singleness and, and marriage, right? He says the time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it easy as possible for you. Not make things hard. Uh, so we're going to look at some of the things he, he talked about. We're going to pull out some of his ideas, right? The first one is this. He's saying be, make your life free of complications. Um, so if you're single, make it be single and simple. If, you, if you're in that, that stage of life, make it simple. Uh, not easy, right? Don't, don't hear me saying that single is easy. He's not saying it's easy. He's saying make it simple. Don't complicate it by focusing on the wrong things, right? Because um, we, can, we can begin to focus on the wrong things and, and mess up what uh, what what God is actually trying to do in our lives at the moment. What Paul is saying, he's saying, don't let the things of the world, don't let the, the lust of, of, of the eye, the flesh, right, the desires for, for more and for status become so overwhelming that those become your focus and you miss out on what God is calling you to do. He's saying time is short. Your time, your life's going to go fast. Don't miss it. So if you're single, be simple. If you're married, be simple. Don't, don't complicate by making the wrong thing the, the main thing, right? And so he's saying, um, when he comes to the single calling, he's not, he's not speaking of uh, not having any struggle. That's not the point. Because if you read his, if his stories, he talks about that. There's challenges he had. 
in life, but he was able to push through those, right? And he's saying when you have this gift, right, there will be some struggles at times, but the main thing is God's going to help you grow to become spiritual, right, to, to be fruitful in your lives despite the challenges you face. So single and simple. It's about, it's about knowing that, you, that life has seasons in it, right? And for some of you, if, if it's single but not by choice like you're hoping, like it's a season. It's okay. It, it'll, it'll eventually change. If, if it's single by choice, it's a season. Or for, in your case, it's something you're choosing for life to learn how to, how to see it the correct way. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So know the season you're in. If you're single, if you're married, if you're dating, whatever, know the season you're in and don't get too far ahead where you mess up the ability to move forward. I think young people, if you're middle school, high school, and, and dating culture begins to be this pressure, like know the season you're in. That is not the season really to be able to, to um, process if this person is a compatible mate for you or not. Um, it's just not a season. That it's gonna, if you awaken, Paul, uh, Solomon says, if you awaken love too early, you're only going to complicate your life. And this is where the Bible is very countercultural and pushes against what we, what we say in culture is the, is the popular thing. Say, no, no, just understand the season you're in and the people around you that can help you, right? So develop who you are, your gifts, um, and they're gonna be, they'll be leading up to something that, to be used in a greater way if you'll be faithful in what you're doing, right? You have the right focus. Um, I, I saw, you know, when you have the right focus, you understand the season you're in, whether it's single by choice or single because you're in single and waiting, right? Um, I, I, I saw this meme, and you'll get this, right? When, you, when, you're, when you're confident in the season you're in, um, you know what's coming, right? So Valentine's Day for a lot of singles is a very depressing day, I guess. Right, but if you have the right season and, and you understand that, it's you have this perspective. Like, all right, these guys that are you know trying to romance each other, they're paying top dollar. But in just another day or two, I'm gonna have you for half price or even less. Right, if they shop at the right right moment, man, you have all the candy you want. It's understanding the season and being confident in that that, it, that it's you know okay. Paul goes on and says this, pleasing the master. He says this this idea of if you're single, if you're unmarried, you can. There's moments where you can use your life to please the master. Right, we'd say it's it's maybe you're single and seeking, um, but in this time, don't use it just to try to be a vacuum, trying to suck from everything. Right, learn to say I'm single, I'm seeking, but I'm going to do it in such a way that I'll please God. Uh, in fact, Matthew six thirty three, Jesus says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. Right, I think a lot of times we get in complicated relationships because we don't seek God first. We seek pleasure first. We seek our own will first, right? Um, we, we, in culture, we go too quick to the rewards or a lot of times there's one reward that we focus on. And when we get there, we get that. But because we bypass the work, it doesn't turn out the way, way it should be. Like we built on the wrong foundation, right? It doesn't last. Um, Psalms 23, David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We have to get in this season where we understand that we're in the season, even if we're single and seeking, that we can trust that God has something for us even in this season. And that we don't lack anything because he's providing and taking care of us. And when we have that perspective, we're just healthier individuals, right? Um, and if you're single and seeking, how do you know when the relationship is right? Because a lot of times what happens in relationships is we get focused on the physical. We get focused on um, what we feel about the person. It becomes infatuation. Well, how do you know you move past in the infatuation stage? Answer these questions. Have you been through and solved a few sharp conflicts in this relationship? Have you gone through some conflicts and have you solved them? Um, have you been through a cycle of repenting and forgiving? That means you had the conflict and then you work through the conflict in the sense of, man, I really messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm not going to do that again, right? Have you gone through a cycle and a season of that? Um, have you each shown, have each of you shown the other that you can make changes out of love for the other? If you're in a relationship, 
And you want to know if you've passed, moved on to the, maybe the next stage of this relationship. Have you shown each other you can make those changes out of love, right? So one group of people would say, no, I haven't done any of those. And they're not ready to move on because they're focused on the wrong thing. Another group of those says, no, because we've had the fights, but we haven't solved them. And it just becomes the same thing over and over. Well, that shows that you're not ready to move on either, right? You haven't learned the skills of repentance, forgiveness, and change, which is key in a healthy marriage, right? And so if, if, whether, whether you said no for two different reasons, you wouldn't be ready for that. But if you begin to say, yes, we've had those, then it might be time to move on. And, and in scriptures, here's the so hard thing about because a lot of people say, like, we should maybe go back to calling and courting, right? Well, traditionally, you were in one place, and people knew you really good. So in those relationships, you had a pretty good foundation of people who knew you and knew the other person. Nowadays, we don't have that. So in some cases, that wouldn't actually always be the best because if you're getting people that don't know you to speak in that relationship, it could actually, they could actually speak in a negative way that wouldn't support you and help you. But to get people around you is really important. That's why church is so important. Small groups are so important. To have relationships in your life that, that can see what's going on because uh, when we're in relationships, especially when it gets physical, we become blind to a lot of things in the other person. And to have other people see what we don't see is really key because they're going to help us to, to, to have a, a proper perspective in life, right? So Paul says to be pleasing to the Lord even when you're single and seeking, all right? Uh, time and energy. Paul says that, hey, when you're unmarried, here's, here's one of the strengths you have. Um, you have time and energy. So if you're, if you're single and you can be serving, you can use your, your, your life to make a difference to impact the next generation, to impact people around you. In our, in our church, we have a lot of singles, and they serve, and we're so grateful for them, right? And we don't make this comparison, well, you're single, you have more time, get here more often. No, we, we, we should all have equal sacrifice and be able to give, but there is an element where you have more discretionary time when you're not, when you're not married, right? Especially if you don't have kids, that element comes in. And so um, learn to be able to have, I guess you could say, pointed focus in your life, right? You have, you have moments where you can really focus, Um I read a stat. I heard a stat that 23-year-olds, uh, by the time that not 23-year-olds, 23-year-old boys or men, uh, young young men, um, by by the time they get there, there's the, 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 when it comes to video games, those that play video games, they've already averaged 10,000 hours by the time they're 23 years old. All right, if you don't think some people have time, we have time. Here's what I found so interesting about 10,000 hours is they say it takes 10,000 hours to master anything. So at this point, a lot of 23-year-olds are masters at video games, right? They've mastered that. If they had to put that same focused energy and attention into something like you know, being a doctor, by 23, they could have been a doctor because that's how much, how much time it would take to be able to focus energy to, to master something. So the point is this. It's not to dog on video games or that. Just we use time in many different ways, and if we learn to focus that time and energy, we can actually be, uh, use our life in a great way. Psalm says it like this. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. When we're planted in God, when we're focused, when we're using our time wisely, we'll produce things in our life in an amazing way. And this is what Paul, is what Jesus, what the writers are saying in the scriptures, don't get so focused on the wrong things that you miss the most important things. Um, in small groups, you know, if you're, uh, we have a lot of our uh, small groups, we have single people that lead them. Uh, married couples, we also have singles that are part of that, and they're, they're using their time to help others to, to have healthy relationships. And the last one I'll point out that Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians is this. He says, um, whole and holy. Like, use this time to become whole and holy. Like, you allow God to work in your life. And here's really the biggest issue when it comes to relationships. We don't allow God to make us whole and allow us to, to, to make us set apart and to, to find our, our unique call and what God is calling us to do. 
we're always searching for others to figure that in our lives. And Paul's saying, use your, your singleness, use your being unmarried to, to find wholeness and to try and find holiness in God. Right? So this would be single and secure. So for some of you that have chosen singleness, this is where you can be secure in that. Like Paul is saying, hey, you, be secure where you're at. If you're single and you're waiting, be secure in that. Just knowing, God, you're going to provide at the right time. Right? Because the goal um, the goal in a lot of times is, is to end up with security, right? That we want somebody to, to bring security. But they don't always bring security. Only God can bring that. God's saying become whole in your own life uh, so that you're, you'll be different. Become whole and holy so that you can trust him to lead you. Matthew seven twenty four says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus talking, um, is like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock, on Christ's teaching, on who Christ is. And our relationships to be built on something solid. And with this, what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying is learn to build your life on something solid, not on a shaky relationship that you don't know what's going to happen or what's going to come. Learn to build. Then when it gets difficult, when things come your way, your life won't fall apart, right? And so he's saying learn, learn to build your life on the right things. Learn to build your life on the right things. Um, two books I would recommend. Um, one is called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. Uh, great book. Probably my favorite book on, on marriage. I recommend a lot of couples to read it because we go into the marriage as not understanding really what marriage is designed for. From, from a big old biblical perspective. And so we find ourselves in marriages that aren't healthy or good because we're, we're focused on the wrong things a lot of times. And one of the, in that book, one of the whole chapters is just on singleness, the whole chapter on singleness and how we can learn to become um, better singles and, and even have a, a better perspective of marriage. Because we have an unhealthy view of marriage, an unhealthy view of relationships, we'll always struggle along in life because we're thinking we deserve something or want something or should have something that really isn't even realistic, right? And so Tim Keller, pastor in, in New York, great, great, great book. Uh, Thrive by Lena Abu-Jamara. Um, she wrote this book. She wrote it when she was 40 years old. And this, she's a single lady. Talked about how, um, just her story. I read through this to prepare for this, this message. It's really good. So if you're single and maybe you want some tools, the great thing you ha- that you have is there's a lot of resources to encourage you and help you where you're at to find confidence, right? To find security in saying, you know what? I'm in a season. I know where I'm at. I'm going to trust for God for the next season, the next step. Get some people in your life like these two that would speak in and say, hey, you're, you're okay. In fact, let me read a quote from Lena, her book, Thrive. It says, if God's promises are true, then you are made to thrive no matter where your, what your mental status is. If God's word is true, then the waiting ended the moment you embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If God's word is true, then you have everything you need for life and for godliness. You are not half of a whole. You are made whole in Christ. You are not part of an incomplete equation. The equation has already been resolved in Christ. You are not a mystery to be solved. Christ is the answer to every question you have ever asked in every puzzle you've ever agonized over. You know, in, in life, when you know you're secure and confident in Christ, you have the same perspective Paul does, that I can do all things through Christ strengths me. I can walk through these seasons. I can, I can trust God. Uh, Paige Brown, in her article, Singled Out by God for Good, um, gives us a perspective of what it looks like to be single and secure. She says this, let's fake it, face it. Let's face it. Singleness is not an inherently inferior state of affairs, but I want to be married. I pray to that end every day. I may meet somebody and walk down the aisle in the next couple of years because God is so good to me. I may never have another date because God is so good to me. Paige had this perspective saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk the journey you want me to walk. I know the season I'm in. I'm going to be single and secure as I walk forward. Essentially, she's saying I'm going to be a whole person despite if I have somebody else filling those needs in my life or not. I'm going to trust God to fulfill them in my life. So here's my challenge for us. Whether you're single or married, here's what I would say. Get whole and healthy. So your relationships can be whole and healthy. Because if you're not whole and healthy, you can never have whole and healthy relationships. There will always be something lacking. There will always be unhealthiness to the relationship because you're a vacuum. 
trying to get somebody else to fill the needs in your life that they can't fulfill. Um, so get whole and healthy. And the way you do this is you have to learn to yield to God to say, God, you work in my life. I say yes to you. I say yes to what you want to do. I'm going to trust you on this journey. And a lot of times he uses a few things to do that in our lives. He uses his word, right, the Bible. He uses his spirit to speak to us and, and to prompt us and help us know. And he uses his people. Uh, he uses his, his people to speak into our lives. Maybe that's me from the front. Maybe that's people in your life that are other Christ followers that will encourage you and help you on this journey. You get people around you to help you see what you don't see. Because here's the truth. If you don't get whole on your own, all your relationships will be attempts to try to complete yourself. And all you'll do your whole life is go from relationship to relationship hoping somebody is finally going to complete you. And the big problem with that is we have Hollywood and we have culture always telling us uh, these, these ideas that aren't completely true. Uh, they can't complete you, right? Uh, they can't fully give you that. And so today my challenge is that get whole and healthy by yielding to God, saying, God, you work in my life. Help me to trust you for all things. Help me to walk in this. So relationships, they can be complicated, but they don't have to be. That's the good news, right? So in our lives, uh, learn to trust God. Learn to follow his lead. Awesome. Hey, as we end our service, you know, um, I talked about how, how the Bible and, and, and Scripture, it challenges culture, right? It's countercultural. It pushes against some of the ideas that culture tells us we should do. When it comes, last week we talked about relationships, right? When it comes to intimacy and sex. Uh, today when it comes to singleness. Uh, the Bible pushes against a lot of those. In fact, um, Christianity was one of the first um, uh, major beliefs that, in, in history that began to push this idea that singleness, singleness is okay. And it's, and it's a valid option for many people to choose. And Paul says, in many cases, even a better option because there's a lot of gifts and strengths that come with it. And it pushes against a lot of times what culture says. And here's, here's what I want to say is if you're here today and you're trying to find a better way for life, uh, the Bible is a great, great resource. God is a great resource to help you. But it pushes against culture. It's going to push against some of the things that we feel and some of the things that we really want to be true that aren't true. And the Bible comes and it, and it points out really the long term of saying if you trust, if you trust, it'll work out. And one of the things I love about our church is um, we have a lot of young people in our church. My hope is that young people in our church will learn to pay attention to the results that other people get. And, and as I speak up here, I'm always trying to point to the positive, but I'm also trying to point out the negative. And culture, when it comes to relationships, and they point to a lot of things that they say are really good that actually are negative outcomes and negative results. I'm saying learn to trust God. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I need a new direction. I need to put my trust in something that's solid and secure. I need, a, I need a better example of what it means to have healthy relationships. And I would just invite you to say, would you begin to let God, would you, like we talked about today, would you yield to God? Would you say, all right, God, I'm going to back off. I'm going to let you lead. God, I'm going to trust you to lead me on this, on this journey. And some of you in this room, you're here and you haven't yelled, yielded to God. You're doing your own thing because culture has told you that, right? You're the most important. You should, you should do that. And you're that vacuum walking around just trying to get everything you can. And God is saying that life will always leave you empty. Because you cannot suck up enough things in life to satisfy your, your life. And God says, if you'll trust me, I'll lead you in a way that you'll find fulfillment. And it's not by taking more and more. It's actually by giving and using your life to make a difference in others. And so today, if you're here, I want to give you an opportunity to make a change, to invite God to lead you. That you would say, God, I say no to what's not working. I say yes to what does work. God, I invite you into my life today. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If that's you, and you've known it for a while, and even though I'm talking, you're, you're, you're saying, that's me. I have to follow God. I have to yield to God. Let him lead my life. Because I've been doing my own thing too long. If that's you today, and you want a clean start, a new start, you want God to begin to direct and lead you, that's what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower, to follow his lead. 
And today you want to say, God, forgive me, God, help me. God, I've been going the wrong way. Today I want to go your way. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Just lift your hand right in your seat. I'm not going to call you down to the front, but just right there, I'll lead you in a prayer. Awesome. See a hand? Anybody else? God, that's me. I want to yield my life to you. All right, for you that raised your hands, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're a Jesus follower in this room, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone? Say this today. Say, say, Father God, I invite you into my life. Come and lead me. I put my trust in you. I follow your lead. Forgive me of my choices, of my past that have led me away from you. Today, I choose to go your direction. I leave the past behind. I say yes to you. Work in my life. Forgive me of my past. Thank you for sending Jesus to give an example of how to live. For dying on that cross so I could have new life. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer. So good.